You're listening to How to Succeed in Evil, Crazy Psycho Murder Tree. Chapter 18, Raiding the Campus. Trinity College was in a state of chaos. After the Bogus' rampage, classes had been canceled for a few days, and the student protests had redoubled. At first, most of the protests were a reaction to the tragedy. Students demanded that the entire administration resign for failing to provide a safe space for everyone. But the demonstrations collapsed into competing protest groups, each claiming a more aggrieved status than the last. The people saying that the bogus was a natural reaction to the rape of the earth triggered those who were saying that the incompetence of the administration was a symptom of late-stage capitalistic lust. The dean had called a meeting and read a badly prepared statement about coming together as a community, but he couldn't even make it to the third paragraph. One group demanded to know why first responders had treated more white students and why people of color were underrepresented in emergency services. Another person cried out that no one cared that a student of Native American ancestry had been killed. A young man stood up and declaimed that the suffering of his community had too long been ignored, but he was quickly shouted down by several people. Your white privilege means you don't know what real suffering is. This barely affected you. This is our lives. I'm not white. I'm gay. Ain't nothing worse than a gay white man asserting his privilege. Everyone listen to me, yelled a black lesbian. But when no one did, she picked up a chair and walloped the man next to her. The dean dived behind the podium, and all hell broke loose. Now mere anarchy ruled the campus. The city police surrounded the perimeter, but the dean had announced that no charges would be filed as a result of any student protests. Campus stores had been looted, statues had been toppled, a floor of the library had been set on fire and then doused with sprinklers. No classes had been held. From where Topper stood on the edge of the police cordon, all he could see of the campus was illuminated by a bonfire a hundred yards in on the sidewalk. What happened to the lights? He asked a cop in riot gear who was leaning on his shield. His helmet visor was up, and Topper saw that he looked tired. Somebody in there cut the power, said the cop with a shrug. You guys going in? Sooner or later, said the cop. I wish somebody would tell us to go already. It's supposed to rain later tonight. You know where the Guildenstern building is? I'm looking for the English department. Sir, you shouldn't go in there. Yeah, believe me, I don't want to, but I got a job to do. For your own safety, I can't allow you to pass. Okay, I'm an officer of the court, and the defense of my client rests on material evidence that is, well, in the middle of that shit show. So you're going to give me an escort, or am I going alone? I've advised you not to enter the campus, said the cop, managing to sound simultaneously bored and frustrated. Yeah, protect and serve, said Topper. I'm trying to protect you, sir. If you go in there, I can't guarantee your safety. Hey, I get it. It's a tough job. Way to phone it in. You're just a little guy, said the cop. Little guy? Look at you, you big friggin' guy. You're afraid of a bunch of college kids. I'm not putting my ass on the line. You're not smart enough to outwit a couple of angry college students, Topper said as he ducked under the barricade. They're not going to listen to anything anybody in this uniform says. Yeah, I'll see you in a minute. Probably not. Listen, if the governor orders us in, just find a place to lay down out of the way, because all these guys are going in amped. And I'm not going to the emergency room because of any of these punks. You hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Don't worry about me. 
said Topper with a bravado he didn't feel. I'm the wily mammal in the underbrush. The cop just shook his head and turned away. As Topper headed onto the darkened campus, his bravado deserted him. He saw a figure throw things onto an open fire and run away cackling. After that, he kept to the edge of the sidewalk near the bushes. As he passed the flames, he saw that they consumed the remnants of a table and many books. Two young men, one white and one black, ran up with more books and threw them on the fire. Topper asked, "'What are you doing?' "'We're going to change history,' said one. "'Yeah, because I failed history,' said the other, and they ran off laughing. Now he was surrounded by shapes in the darkness, ghoulishly underlit by cell phones as they streamed their lives rather than lived them. But this was silly, Topper thought. They were just kids, maybe feeling their oats a little more than most, but kids. "'Excuse me, you guys know where the Guildenstone building is?' There was a gasp, and an angry female voice said, "'You need to check your privilege and your pronouns.' "'Wait, what?' "'Your microaggressions will no longer be tolerated at Trinity College.' "'Micro-what?' "'You're calling me short?' "'You need to acknowledge your privilege and remove yourself from this campus. "'We're creating a safe space for people of color and other marginalized populations.' Topper moved his head from side to side, but he couldn't quite figure out which one of the shadows was speaking. "'So you've been oppressed by the world?' I need some muscle over here, said the voice. Let's get this oppressor off campus. Topper felt something pop inside his head. Are you kidding me? Like, seriously, every single one of you tall motherfuckers needs to check your height privilege. And which one of you jackasses is working your way through school? None of you got jobs, because you'd have to be at them right now rather than pushing the little guy around. So you want to beat up on the little guy? Okay, fine, but tonight the little guy is going to beat back. Then Topper let out a shrill screech, his best approximation of a war cry, and charged right at the shadows. To his surprise, they fled. He kept screaming and running after a few of them, but his legs weren't long enough to catch anybody. So he stumbled to a halt, doubled over, and laughed hysterically. When he was able to stand upright again, there was no one to be seen. In what little light there was, he was able to see the name of the building he had stopped in front of, Guildenstern Hall. Oh, well, there you go. The door was locked, but the glass had been smashed out, so he stepped inside. Using his phone as a flashlight, he found that Dr. Gerald Gerlock had an office on the fifth floor. Remembering the test of Edwin's office, he tried the elevator call buttons, just in case. But when the elevator didn't move, he cursed his luck and went in search of the stairs. The fifth floor of Guildenstern Hall was a series of dark wood doors with frosted glass windows. Dr. Gerlock's office was locked, but Topper picked up a trash can and screamed, Tall people are keeping me down, and threw it through the glass. What the hell, thought Topper. There's a riot going on. Inside, every available space was filled with books. Most of them had titles Topper had never even heard of. Some of them he couldn't even read. Topper began to get an inkling of why the Bogus might feel so guilty about what mankind had done to trees. There was a friggin' forest worth of books here, and they all looked so boring. Dr. Gerlach's desk was tucked, like an afterthought, into a corner of the room. An ancient computer monitor sat on the desk, and papers were strewn everywhere. There were handwritten notes, a pile of essays, journals old and new. Strangely, the lap drawer held nothing but unsharpened pencils. The filing cabinet was full of yet more books, but none of them offered a clue as to where an angry tree might have gone to ground. 
A wave of defeat came over Topper. He was never going to be able to find this barking bastard. He'd be a failure all over again. Another little guy who was going to fail in life because he tried to have a normal height career. He couldn't juggle or sing Oompa Loompa songs. He certainly couldn't be a public defender anymore. Windsor and that mean old broad Agnes would have no use for him if he couldn't sign this client. If he couldn't even find that batshit crazy tree, how could he get it to agree to anything? Even if he did get that maniacal maple to sign a contract, was the tree going to care about the agreement? No way in hell. The bogus would blow everything up just out of spite. He plopped himself down in the old desk chair and let the recline take him back. He thought back on the foolishness he had gotten away with out on the campus. It had felt good, but he still wasn't really sure what had possessed them. Inside, he had heard Talmadge's voice whispering, maybe it would be safer if he just slept there until dawn. What was happening to him? Was someone new being born inside him, like a wasp hatching inside of a spider? Talmadge worried about it. Topper didn't. Talmadge heard the voice that used to be his saying, Well, whatever. I'm not moping around here. I'm going to go get a drink. Then he opened his eyes and saw the answer, a newspaper clipping that featured Dr. Gerlach. In the picture, he was sitting in Arbogast Park, right in the center of Third City. He had a lawn chair, a cooler, a stack of books, and a laptop balanced on his knees. The article detailed how he worked there every weekend when the weather was nice, with a pull quote saying that the park was his favorite place in the city. Had to be worth a shot, didn't it? With that, Talmadge went to sleep, and Topper heaved himself out of the chair and back into action.